Welcome to Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. This is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And Chris, I'm thinking we should probably call this our Christmas podcast. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, Lynn. I was just getting ready to say that. Um, I'm, I'm sorry that our, our listeners don't have the chance to see you with your Christmas hat on. <laughs> yes, I am getting getting certainly into the spirit of this. So, Chris, do you have plans with your Christmas getting together with family? So Christmas has changed for us. We're at that stage of life where uh, in our family, we are the flexible ones. So we we have to kind of work around other people's schedule. So um, everything's kind of still pending, but we, we think we're going to be home um, with our, our youngest son for Christmas. And then uh, we'll probably make a trip to Texas to see our, our son and his wife and their, our grandkids there. So I think we're going to be busy traveling. Oh, good. Christmas in Texas. There you go. Hey. <laughs> you would love that. <laughs> All right. Joining Chris and I, this is Dr. Christina Zimmerman. Christina, thank you for joining us for this podcast. Oh, I am so happy to be here, Lynn and Chris. You're talking about Christmas. That is one of my favorite times of the year. Is it? Well, good. So yeah. do you have big plans? You're, you're going to get together with family. Is that correct? Absolutely. And hopefully here in, uh, well, in my home, because this is the second year that we've been in this new house. And I want to show it off to some of the family that have not been here to see us. So we're planning a big celebration. So real quick, Christina, tell us a little bit. We know what you do, but tell us a little bit about you as a part of our transition into the study. Well, you is a Bible study curriculum, just like Bible studies for life, but it's a little unique. It's a three in one life centered resource and developed specifically for the African-American and urban church audience. So these features uh, are just one book, one package. Uh, the features include a learner guide, a leader guide, and we also have daily readings or devotions in our resource. So it's, it's available online. We also, you know, one thing I should remind you uh, of is uh, that you is breaking into the uh, technological aspects or the digital platform. We hadn't always had this, but we do have a digital package and it's available online at lifeway.com slash you, or you can find information about it at you.lifeway.com. You did that very well, Christina. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, So, and again, we, we try to remind our audience as we're talking about this, but uh, the U curriculum follows the same uh, Bible study, the outline that is found in Bible studies for life. So it's a real natural for you to be a part of our conversation. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And I think a lot of churches appreciate that as well. Well, we are in our third week of a study that is called Irrefutable. What we're doing is we're looking at some Old Testament prophecies that are tied to the Christmas story, and we're seeing how those are fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. So as we come up to this week, we're actually not looking at directly at the Old Testament prophecy. We're going to be, uh, our entire study is going to be in Luke chapter 2, but what we're going to see is a reference to something that was prophesied 
in the Old Testament. Uh, so we'll get into that uh, as we look into Luke chapter two. And uh, Tilla, let me just read, uh, if you let me, let me read verses four through seven to kind of pick us up in the, the Christmas story here. Joseph uh, went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David. He went there to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In this passage, there is a reference, uh, kind of a subtle reference uh, to a prophecy I want to see. Why are we seeing these references to King David? Well, first, I want to remind our listeners that last week when Ron Brown was with us, we talked about Nazareth and uh, the Galilee of the nations and the reference from Isaiah chapter nine. And then in this passage, we're introduced to uh, Joseph and Mary going to Bethlehem, the city of David, um, because he was of the house and the, and the family line of David. And so this is a reference to uh, a, a promise, a covenant that God made with David, that he would uh, bless David and from his household, from the line of David, uh, there would be a there would come a ruler who would rule forever. Second uh, uh, Samuel chapter 16 references that. Excuse me. Second Samuel chapter seven. Your house and kingdom and kingdom will endure before me forever, and your throne will be established forever, is the direct quote and the reference that Luke is making to the Old Testament, uh, that prophecy. Yeah, you know, Chris, uh, that uh, scripture in Second Samuel reminds me of how much God loved David, because David was seeking, I believe, in these this passage to build a house for God and God already had a plan. <laughs> and as we've talked about the prophecies that are fulfilled, God's plan was that his house, David's house would endure forever. And to me, that's a lot of love. That's a lot of love to show David that David, no, you can't build my house, but I have something even bigger and better for you. So one of the questions that is uh, that we use in in uh, the senior adult re uh, resource is ties directly to what you just said. When have God's plans for your life differed from your plans or your expectations? So David had a plan. He was ready to build a, a building, a house, a temple for God. And God had different plans and better plans. Um, I'm sure Joseph and Mary in their um, <laughs> engagement thought that this life would be different until an angel showed up and said, oh, and uh, Mary's going to have a son by the Holy Spirit. Um, so it wasn't probably what they expected, but things, uh, but, but God shows up and works in amazing ways. So I just love how with this passage that Luke keeps reminding us, the readers, of this connection to David. He was of the house of David, the family line of David. Uh, he was, you know, everything is pointing to him being the, uh, the promised eternal king that would come. And then we get to verse 8. Uh, 
we see this reference now to the angel, to the shepherds. The shepherds were staying in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flocks. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. And again, there's that reference to the city of David and to the, the, that long-awaited, that Messiah, the anointed one the Jewish people were looking for. What's so amazing about this is that God was revealing his son, you know, and this birth announcement went to the shepherds. And I'm sure that Sunday school teachers have mentioned this before, that the shepherds were not the best kids on the block. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were not viewed as, as uh, high in, in the order of, uh, I guess, society is, is the way to put it. But still, the news came to them. And so we understand this to mean that God did this because he wanted to show that all people are important not just the well-to-do, but even those who are living in the margins of, of society. So God has love for all people. And this reminds me, you know, especially as I think about the resource that I develop, is that there's a deep divide in so many, over so many issues in our world and in this country even. And if only people would recognize or realize that there's a common denominator that would help to, divide, to uh, bring us together. And that denominator is that we are all loved by God. He demonstrated that when he, he revealed or spoke to the shepherds, the lowest in society, when he spoke to them and included them in this this wonderful event experience of bringing his son into the world. I think uh, we, it's a good reminder for us that uh, the way God does things in, in the, in the birth narrative of Jesus is so different from what we typically would do. We would, if we were, if we were planning the coming of the son of God, we would have a PR firm out there talking about it and preparing the way. And, um, we would we would want to be sure that the 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 kings and the political leaders and uh, people of influence knew about this. And God just bypasses all of that. <laughs> he takes this message to a group of shepherds out on a hillside. Uh, my my family, uh, my mom and dad come from a rural background. They come they 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 grew up on a farm and. A lot of my my family have farm connections, and I, I, for some reason, I've always just identified uh, with this part of the story. I, mean, I don't know if it's a roots thing or what the deal is, but um, the fact that God made this message known um, to a, to a group of shepherds that the Savior of the world had come, and and He wanted them to know it first is just a fascinating story. 
You see that a lot with Jesus in his life, you know, he, that these shepherds who, as we've described, as kind of the, uh, uh, to use Christina's phrase, they're not, the, they're not the best kids on the block, <laughs> but they're in a sense going to be the first witnesses. And you see that throughout the gospel account, even when you come to the resurrection, where who is it that were the first ones to find the empty tomb? It was women who were also, you, know, you could look at it, they were kind of marginalized, uh, certainly because yeah. yet they're the ones who at that instant got to be the first witnesses. Good word. Yeah. And I love the fact these shepherds, they hear it and it's like, well, let's get back to work. I mean, they're excited. Of course, you know, if you had a, you know, a mess of angels show up talking to you, I'd probably get excited too. But what they did, they, they went and they hurried off to where Mary and Joseph were and saw the baby, saw everything just as it was described to them. Uh, all and, and, and this is in Luke chapter two, verse 18 it says all who heard it were amazed because what happened? These shepherds saw Jesus. They saw just like I said, and they went out and they just began to tell others again, here's these marginalized group of shepherds and they're out there proclaiming the message and told what they, what they had seen and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And I just love the fact that they learned about the salvation of the, uh, the Messiah was there and had really come for them, the marginalized. They couldn't hold that in. They had to rejoice and they had to tell some others. Can you just imagine the scene land of uh, Jesus lying in a manger in a trough, a feeding trough, and, and, the, and the shepherds see this? Now, after their experience with the angels, they're probably excited. And then they come and see exactly what the angels were talking about. Yes, indeed, they were excited. And when you're excited about something like that, it's hard to hold it in. This is not like the Renaissance paintings where Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus had these halos that looked like old Buick hubcaps. You know, if, if you walked in, there was something unusual. <laughs> But this was Jesus. This was God come to earth as a human. And so he was like a little, literally like a, just any normal child. He didn't have a halo. He didn't have a glow about him. But it's what the shepherds knew because of what, uh, what, the, what the angels had told them. Uh, it, was, it was seeing exactly like they told them it would be. And I think that's where their testimony came, excitement came from. Now, I hope as you have a chance to meet with your group this week, just this is a very familiar story to so many of our people in our groups. But as Chris has reminded us through, with a lot of our studies, approach this with fresh eyes. Approach it as those in your group who may, ne- may not be that familiar with the story and to come at it with a fresh look. Keep in mind that a part of what your job is, is to help people connect the dots between Again, the prophecy dynamic, this what irrefutable is about, these prophecies, uh, that promise that God made to David and that Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise uh, and that prophecy. So just help. Please just never get into the habit of thinking, oh, well, everybody knows this story. Everybody knows that part. Everybody knows about the prophecy. Everybody knows the significant Bethlehem. Let me assure you, everybody does not know. They, they know that Bethlehem was his birthplace, but they, they haven't made all of, the, all of the connections with those prophecies. This is a great opportunity to help people see that. 
Well, thank you for joining us for this podcast as we look to the Christmas count in Luke chapter two. Christina, thank you for being a part of this. And let me just encourage uh, you, if you're not familiar with the Bible study curriculum, you, Y-O-U, uh, please check it out, lifeway.com slash you. Christina, I'm going to let you have the last word. Okay, I wanted to give just a little teaching tip. But before I do that, Lynn, you reminded us to see this uh, afresh in, with new eyes. I want to encourage us to also to see this with new excitement. See mm. this session uh, the way that we'll, we'll use the characters that we're going to be studying in this session. See the birth of Christ through the eyes of Mary, through the eyes of Joseph, even the angel and the shepherds, and cultivate that excitement so that you too can, like the shepherds, go and tell everyone. Good and that's what, that's what this teaching tip is all about. It begins with prayer, prayer for the salvation of others. You know, the Bible tells us that we need to that, that the reason that Christ came into humanity was that people may be saved. That's in Luke 19 and 10. So as teachers, take time to intentionally pray for those who are lost. Send a message to your group members and encourage them to do the same thing. And as a group, be intentional about praying for the salvations of others in, in our families in our communities, and even around the world. Also, this is one thing that you may not have thought about. Don't assume that everyone in your group has already accepted Christ. Wow, good point. Actively listen to comments and questions learners may share in the class, and you can, you can discern where their hearts is. Ask God to guide you and be ready to share your testimony and the message of salvation. We provide a gospel message to help you on page two of all of our resources. This can be an opportune time to make sure that everyone knows who Christ is. Thanks, Christina. Thank you very much for that. And uh, we hope you'll join us next week as we continue looking at the uh, Old Testament prophecies that point us to the birth of Christ. We hope you have a wonderful and a Merry Christmas as you gather with church family and as you uh, with your own physical family. Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm.